Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast is breaking down a miraculous, much-needed New York Jets win on Monday Night Football at JetLife Stadium on September 11th against the division rival Buffalo Bills to go to 1-0. and And this game was an emotional roller coaster, and we needed that win. It still sucks. Today sucks. Hearing the news about Aaron Rodgers sucks. But to do it with a win just makes it that much more stomachable, which it barely is, but at least we pulled it off. And when you're watching that game and Aaron Rodgers goes down, you got this pit in your stomach and you feel like you may never be happy again. That's how I felt. But you can't tell me as a Jets fan that you're sitting there on the couch watching Xavier Gibson take that punt return touchdown back to the house in overtime against the Bills that you weren't jumping up and down screaming for that one second in time. The Aaron Rodgers stuff was an afterthought. You were just thinking about, holy smokes, we pulled this thing off. We just won. I can't believe it. How incredible. And that's what this podcast is going to focus around. Because there was a lot of great play from a lot of awesome players for the Jets. We saw why the team was all in in the offseason and trying to build a Super Bowl roster because we have one. We don't have our main signal caller. Aaron Rodgers is out for the year. He's on IR. And that's a really sad story. And if you want to hear it, listen to my last podcast episode talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm plenty depressed in that one, talking about the implications of not having Aaron Rodgers, how emotionally devastating it is, what our options are at quarterback moving forward, be it Zach or somebody else. But that's on last podcast episode. I wanted to make them separate because in this one, we have to talk about a Jets win. Winning this big game that even with Aaron Rodgers, we were like, man, I'm not sure we're going to win this thing. The Jets were underdogs with Aaron Rodgers. Now you put in Zach Wilson for 99% of the game and pull off the win in overtime? It was awesome to see the win and have it end the way that it did. It was an epic night. It was desperately needed, and we got to talk about it all. So the agenda is going to be a Jets versus Bills recap. We're going to talk coaching, offense, defense, special teams, stars of the game, and then I have a father time from my dad. So it's a very similar format to what we had last year, except what we're doing this year is we're going to be separating the review and preview podcast episodes into two. I'm going to be doing the reviews on Tuesday. I'll put out the previews on Wednesday nights, I believe, and... uh it's really going to be business as usual. It's just going to be instead of an hour-long podcast, it's going to be two 30-minute podcasts separated. You can let me know how you feel about that on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan. Um, if you like it or don't like it, I've gotten positive feedback, so I'm rolling with it. But always willing to change if it makes it more uh, palatable or you guys like it more another way. The only other thing it's going to change is that we won't do a father time and what's on tap in every single podcast episode. I can't ask my dad to do more than really one a week. It, uh, it's just not not feasible for him, and that's totally understandable. So we're going to probably do like father time in one episode and then do what's on tap in another episode. But don't worry, I'll always be drinking. So that is what we got. I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. As I mentioned, follow me on X Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. This is part of the Fans First Sports Network. So let's get into it. The New York Jets win 
Monday Night Football, September 11th, Jet Life Stadium. Overtime victory over the division rival Buffalo Bills, 22-16 to on an epic punt return, making Josh Allen look way more than human. And it was ridiculous. I think when you start with the coaching, the team showed so much resiliency. Obviously, it's very likely the Jets knew mid-game, at least the coaching staff knew mid-game that Aaron Rodgers had an Achilles injury. It's pretty easy to see that stuff pretty quick. I know they did an x-ray and said that it came back negative. You're not going to see ligament damage on an x-ray. And it's possible the whole te- uh, the whole coaching staff and like front office knew that Aaron Rodgers was probably out for the season. But I don't think that Robert Sala wanted to tell the guys that mid-game. They wanted to say, hey, we don't know what it is. Let's just focus on this game and keep the guys engaged against the Buffalo Bills. It's probably really hard to do that when you're Robert Sala and you're Nathaniel Hackett, everybody else on this team, the offensive line, to have gone through all that and then play a game on this big stage when the stadium even is, like, noticeably shook. The stadium was so awkwardly quiet after that when Zach Wilson comes out. I mean, Zach Wilson came out onto the field with his headband around his neck. He forgot to even put it on his head because he wasn't ready to go in. He's like, everybody was in shock. And for the coaching staff to get this team rallied to get the performances that it got out of its secondary, out of its pass rush, out of a rookie punt returner, an offensive line that, albeit the first four plays were, like, ridiculously horrible, and some of the play calling there was not executed appropriately, but the running game, the receiver, some of the plays that we saw were amazing. And the coaching staff empowered them to play like that. Big plays, the heart. It's what kept us in the mix last season, before we had those devastating injuries to Brees Hall and Elijah Barrett Tucker, the Jets were right in the mix as one of those hot teams. Like, holy smokes, this is one of the best rosters in football. And it was not because of Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco or Mike White. It was because of literally everybody else. And that's where we're at again this year. And to see the coaching staff just just kind of harness back that power from last year and be like, you know what, we can do this. We've done it before. To make that halftime speech and get these guys coming out of the locker room, I mean, that halftime... From first half to second half, Josh Allen stats, Josh Allen was useless in the second half. He was all right in the first half, made a couple things happen. He had one good drive in the second half, and it was to get that field goal to push him into overtime. But other than that, it was a really, really bad second half for Josh Allen. The Jets' defense came out of that locker room knowing that it was going to be Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers could be gone for the year, and making that happen. It was pretty cool. Salah showed some big balls going forward on fourth down in the Jets' final offensive drive of the regular um, regular time. You got that fourth and one play to keep that clock running, make the Buffalo Bills use some timeouts so that when it all came down to it, they were able to get down the field for a field goal try that almost was a miss hitting the pole, and they weren't able to go down and get a touchdown. They ran out of time, had to kick it. So good job there, Salah, trusting in the offensive line, trusting in Zach Wilson to pick it up. Trusting in a rookie punt returner, which I always advise against. I would think it should be Mecole Hardman 10 times out of 10 because rookies make rookie mistakes. And rookie mistakes as a punt returner are muffed punts, easy points for the other team. But Xavier Bixon came up, Xavier Gibson came up in a big spot, did awesome. The team as a whole only had five accepted penalties against them. So for a week one showing, it's actually not that bad. A couple of those penalties came on like, one of those drives, one of those first Zach Wilson drives when the whole stadium was in a lull and the team was just still in shock and, you know, a couple offsides or, or ball starts and holds a legal man downfield. So, but overall, five penalties in that first game, 
not that bad. And then to see the coaching staff utilize the defense the same way that we did last year, getting home with four or five guys, playing good coverage in the uh, secondary, nothing deep, hit the guys hard in the kill zone when you can, get home with four or five, make the quarterback's life uncomfortable, and Jets did that. It looked good. The recipe works. Ben, don't break. Yeah, at times, Stephon Diggs was picking up eight-yard receptions, you know, picking up first downs and stuff. But when they got into the red zone, not that much happened. And they didn't get down there too often because every time Josh Allen tried to make a big play, Jordan Whitehead made a bigger play. When you look at the offense, you have to start with Zach Wilson because he was the quarterback in this game. And he's going to be the guy who the eyes are on moving forward as we evaluate whether or not we're going to roll with him or if we're going to roll with another quarterback. If you want to hear about the other quarterback options we have for the Jets moving forward, free agents, trade options, um, listen to the last podcast episode talking about Aaron Rodgers. But talking about how Zach Wilson looked in this game, it was pretty freaking reminiscent of everything we watched last year. When you look at his stat line, 14 of 21 for 140 yards, one touchdown, one interception, an 81 quarterback rating. It's like identical to a game that he would have played last year. It's never going to be 330 yards. He's never going to be completely comfortable. And the offensive system still doesn't seem to be completely comfortable with him. And you start to wonder, is it that Michael Floor and Nathaniel Hackett don't trust Zach Wilson to throw the ball downfield, his vision, his standing in the pocket, extending plays? Or is it that Zach Wilson doesn't trust himself to do it, and he's the reason that he's flushing out of the pocket and throwing it at weird places and bad angles and stuff? He still has the jitters a little bit. I think he stood in the pocket better in this game than he had last year. He was actually only sacked two times against a decent pass rush. Um, he got the ball out of his hands, was able to not take sacks in some pretty good spots. A 3.3-second release time was way too long. We're hoping for, like, 2.5 if we can in this offense. Quick passes, run the ball. Every once in a while, I'll take a shot. 3.3, really staring down some receivers. One of them going to that interception to Matt Milano, who is a total doucher, by the way. Throw that in now. Um, it just was a, a Zach Wilson-type performance. Maybe with a little bit of growth, obviously 14 for 21 is better than he does some days. One touchdown, one interception, better than he does some days. And the Buffalo Bills defense in a game on Monday Night Football, big spot when Aaron Rodgers goes down in a game that you didn't even prepare as the number one quarterback in a new offensive system. Yet, it you know, give him some credit for doing that. There were some positives, I think. He picked up a big fourth down we talked about on that fourth down. Um, he was willing to take some hits running the ball. Trying to get a touchdown late in the game in the red zone, he kind of put his shoulder down and was, like, taking the hit, which, for better or for worse, you don't want him getting hurt, obviously, especially not at this point in time with where the team is. But to see him try to win the game, you do like that. He threw one really nice dart to Alan Lazard that Alan barely caught because it was just fired in there. And then in a big spot, he trusted Garrett Wilson to make a play, and Garrett made that play. And you have to do that somewhat because Zach Wilson's not going to do it himself, putting it in perfect spots. He's sometimes going to have to say, this is going to be tricky, but I'm going to give you a chance. He just can't do it with a linebacker lurking over the middle, getting an easy interception. It's got to be one-on-one, throw him to the receiver, give him a real chance to play on the ball. Most importantly, Zach Wilson won. We are pleased with that. He did some of this last year. A lot of shades of last year going on with this team right now. But there were some positives last year. There was a point when we felt really good about what we were doing. A couple injuries derailed it. Let's hope that doesn't happen again this year aside from the Aaron Rodgers loss. You look at running back, one of those guys that got injured and derailed the season last year, Brees Hall, tore an ACL. He comes back in this game. We weren't sure 
if he'd be ready for the start of the regular season than when he was exactly how many snaps he'd get. He was missing some practice and still just like, you know, precautionary things with him. And it's like, all right, they're not going to use him too, too much. But you don't have to use him too, too much for him to have production because this guy's first two carries were 26 yards and then 83 yards. 109 yards on his first two carries back from an ACL tear against the Buffalo Bills in this spot. The guy is so freaking good. He is easily one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. Could already be the most dynamic running back in the league. I know he's only played in eight games, so you can't give him that crown yet. But there's not a lot of guys that are doing this sort of thing. He finished with 10 carries for 127 yards, a catch for t- another catch for 20 yards, So basically 150 scrimmage yards on 11 touches. So we keep his workload down, 11 touches. All right, fair enough. I was thinking like maybe he would get six to nine. 11 is a little bit higher, but 150 yards is ridiculous. I think the only thing that you could see him improving on was maybe some of that stamina and running and trusting in that knee. He slowed down a little bit on that 83-yard run, which it's a long way to go. You'd like to see him finish those things off later down the year and use that speed. But man, oh man, you got to feel really good about Brees Hall potentially being the most important player on the offense. Brees Hall is without a doubt our offensive player of the game. To come back out and do that and get those yards. I mean, you're talking about an 83-yard run where the Jets were basically pinned inside their own 10. And then he gets them into field goal range where they get points on that drive. So many times last year we wouldn't have had Brees Hall and the Jets would have punted to midfield. And then the Bills would have had an easy score. But instead, he flips the entire field, gets us points. I mean, things like that are what we need to win with this offense, with Zach Wilson throwing for 14 completions and 140 yards. And you're not going to get it in most situations, but when you have Brees Hall, you actually do. And those things actually are possible. And you actually win these games because of it. It was a remarkable performance. I can't believe we have him. I can't believe that he's back. And most importantly, I can't believe that he's this good right away. He looks as good as last year, maybe better. The guy could have had 220 scrimmage yards easy if he ran the ball 20, 25 times. He didn't need to. It was an awesome offensive player of the game performance from him. And a guy that I hope wins so many this year. Then you got Dalvin Cook, who was prepared to carry the load and did a pretty good job. He was a little more inefficient, right? He was at like three and a half yards per carry. At the end of the game, the Jets were trying to drain some clock, didn't want to have Zach Wilson make a mistake, and were already in field goal range. So Dalvin Cook got a couple extra runs, negative yardage, didn't pick up anything there as the Bills were selling out to stop the run, rightfully so. He goes down to two and a half yards per carry total on the game, so not great numbers that way. But he had 60 scrimmage yards, 13 carries for 33 rushing yards, three catches for 26 yards there, so 16 touches. He played 50% of the snaps. He did carry that load, and uh, he was prepared to do it. So I felt good about him. I felt like he was an improvement over Bam Knight. I think having him with Brees Hall back and forth, that's going to be really important for us. And then to have a guy, playmaker like Izzy Abanaconda, waiting in the wing, inactive this week, potentially going to play in the future, big playability, I feel good about a running attack. Got to keep that offensive line working right, but I feel good about it. Carter had a run, two catches, 18 total yards. He is, uh, you know, he's obviously with Zach Wilson playing quarterback, you're going to stack the box more, and that's the situation that Michael Carter was in last year, and he struggled. We thought that Rodgers would kind of unload and unleash Michael Carter in a way that he could be a pass-catching back, have a lot more openings and opportunities. He's back to Zach Wilson now, so Michael Carter is kind of back to being probably what he was last year. It's a good thing we have Cook and Hall and Avinaconda in the wing. 
Then you look at the tight end position, and this was a weird one because the Jets decided to use 13 personnel on like 33% of the snaps, <clears throat> which means running one running back and three tight ends. So Uzoma, Conklin, and Rucker on the field all at once. And it was to help the running game, to help protect, to make sure that the quarterback wasn't getting beat up, and that even if they're going to stack eight guys, seven guys in the box, you can still pick up positive yardage running the ball. So a really good game actually from Jeremy Rucker, who blocked really well, had a couple noticeable blocks in this game. And if you look at the PFF scores, I know it doesn't mean much. He only played 33% of the snaps, and PFF is what it is. But they give him one of the best grades in the entire team because play in, play out, he was making an impact when he was on the field. I think when you see that, coupled with some of his receiving ability, he looks like he could be the long-term tight end for the Jets, and that's great to see. Conklin had a catch or two, I think just one catch for two yards, and absolutely laid out Teron Johnson, which was funny. Uzama was quiet, but again came in to block on some plays. His hair is green now. Love that. You look at the wide receivers. Brownlee and Irvin Charles were inactive. Michael Hardman didn't get any offensive snaps. Xavier Gibson wasn't part of the offensive game plan either. Randall Cobb probably would have been a major target of Aaron Rodgers, but because it was Zach Wilson, he only got one target. Garrett Wilson was not utilized too often early, but as the game wore on and it was like, all right, we got to start getting the ball to Garrett Wilson, he ended up getting five targets, caught the ball on all five of them, 34 yards total, not a lot, but they were big timely catches, like third and tens down on the ground, sliding to get it. And then one of the most remarkable focus catches I've ever seen in my life, the touchdown thrown, a bad ball, Garrett Wilson, side of the end zone with Tredavious White, one of the best corners in the league's covering him. And Garrett Wilson, with the ball thrown to Tredavious White, backhand blocks the ball away from Tredavious White to play defense on it, towards himself, tips it back to him, and then catches it with two hands in the field. The Jets get a much-needed touchdown to tie the game at 13. Holy smokes, that was like only a couple players in the entire NFL can make that catch and have that focus and vision to make it. Garrett Wilson's one of those guys. And that's why I'm saying, like, sometimes you have to give him a ball like that that maybe isn't the best thrown ball, but at least it's one-on-one coverage. There's nobody jumping the route, and you can let Garrett Wilson do what he does. Because what we saw there, that's what he can do. And then Alan Lazard, he was targeted a few times. He had two nice catches, a 24-yarder and a 22-yarder. He had that one rope from Zach Wilson that was nice to see. And then he had uh, another kind of, like, short screen pass where he ran upfield and got a lot of extra yardage there. So... Alan Lazard led the team in receiving yards, had a couple nice blocks as well, and uh, you know it was 140 total yards for the team receiving. It's just like last year. I mean, there's not a lot of numbers to go around, but the guys got it done when they had to. Big plays in big moments. Then the offensive line, I didn't like the Aaron Rodgers plays. I didn't like trying to go to a cut block early. Those are supposed to be quick timing passes, which like a one-two throw, and the offensive lineman just cuts the defensive end coming in to make sure they're not part of the play. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't get rid of it. The cuts aren't executed perfectly well. Aaron Rodgers holds onto the ball, gets hit like two times in four snaps, tears his Achilles. That portion's mostly on coaching and the game plan. Nathaniel Hackett and the offensive line. Aaron Rodgers' execution there. It's not the offensive line so much. When you take out that horrible series and you look at the rest of the game, the team did run for 28 yard, twenty-eight carries for 172 rushing yards, 6.1 yards per carry. Obviously, there's a big 83-yard outlier in there from Brees Hall, as well as a 26-yarder on top of it. But when you know the Jets are going to be running the ball in this game with Zach Wilson coming in, and you can pull off 172 rushing yards, you feel pretty good about that. 
And when Zach Wilson, as frantic as he is, drops back 21 times and only gets sacked two times for a total of 13 yards lost, you feel all right about that too. There was some miscommunication early. Lakin Tomlinson still making some mental errors. Makai Becton going downfield when he shouldn't. But I think that Becton in the run game looked pretty good. I think that Elijah Vera Tucker looks really good still. We know we have Tipman waiting in the wing to play some center down the road. So if the guys can stay healthy, which they did, that was the most important thing watching the offensive line in this one, right, was to make sure that essentially Becton could play an entire game, Dwayne Brown could play an entire game, ABT is back from injury. They did that. So overall, well enough offensive line game here. The Jets do pull out the win, and it wasn't like chaos offensive line game like we've seen in the past where, you know, nothing's going right and there's no way to even operate an offense. They did enough. So that is what we have on the offensive side of the ball. Now, before we go over to the defensive side of the ball, we do have to do a quick father time check-in with my dad, David Burnham, who obviously is going through the same thing that we're going through right now. He is as disappointed as any, but he's an optimistic guy, and he wants the Jets team to be great. So let's hear what he has to say on this week's father time, titled, Consider This. Here we go. Last night brought me back to Game 1 in 1999 when Benny Testaverde ruptured his Achilles after being in the AFC Championship game the season before. There were big Super Bowl aspirations then, too. Of course, we're sad to see Aaron Rodgers go down for the season. So much went into it, and we got four plays. Remember, the first series is scripted, and the chop blocks were certainly part of the play to open a throwing lane for Rodgers. The ball needed to be thrown on time, and Rodgers paid a price for holding onto it. Seems we all did. It was bad. But I'm here to tell you that all is not lost. Remember, we just won. We beat Buffalo again. Thanks largely to Jordan Whitehead and, of course, Xavier Gibson, plus so many other contributors and heroes on special teams, defense, and offense. So going forward into the season, please consider this. We have a nasty defense. Very, very nasty defense. Our front is what we expected it to be, effective from every single angle and then some. The secondary is tight with Sauce and DJ Reed playing tough corners and stellar safety play. Mosley is still our field general, and Quincy Williams just had the best game of his career. My eyes seeing that defense looks like top three in the NFL, maybe better. And our running game is so much better with Brees Hall back in the mix, and now we have Dalvin, a 2022 1,400-yard back who's willing to share the load. Even with Zach at quarterback, the Jets are a legitimate and dangerous team, much better than the 7-4 and Jets of last year. Consider this, too. Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017, with Blake Bortles as the quarterback. What did the Jags, ha- what did the Jags have going for them? Well, it wasn't Blake Bortles. It was good receivers, not great. Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns. Now think about Garrett Wilson and company. They had a very strong running game named Leonard Fournette. I'll take Dalvin and Brees any day. And the Jags had a very good defense, with starters like Calais Campbell, Miles Jack, Paul Puzlesny, and other good pros. They were good, but the 2023 Jets defense is much better. And consider, this New York Jets defense could be the best in the NFL front to back. Couple that with our explosive run game and talented wide receivers, we can beat any team as long as we can get Hackett to maximize and contain Zach Wilson, the way he did with Bortles in Jacksonville. And lastly, consider this. Dallas had better look out. The New York Jets are wounded and dangerous. Go Jets. End scene. Wow. A lot to unpack unpack there. I read this thing, and I personally needed it. 
it's part of the reason I love having father time on these podcasts because we don't want just my opinions and like we're all fans going through this experience together and to hear the opinions of somebody who's obviously way more experienced watching football, way wiser in this stuff, has seen so much more, to get his input on where we're at and what we should be looking for and how we should feel. I like having that. I think when I read it, it it bummed me out that he moved off of Aaron Rodgers so quickly because it felt like all of a sudden, after two, three sentences like, oh, we're so sorry we lost Aaron Rodgers, we were right back to a father time from last year where he's telling us that the defense is really good, we've got great weapons, as long as we can maximize Zach Wilson. It felt like I was reading a father time from 2022, which I didn't want to be a part of anymore. I wanted the new experience. But when you think about what he's saying in there, specifically with the defense being you know, built front to back as one of the best units in the entire league and what they actually can accomplish as that unit. And then the way that Nathaniel Hackett did kind of optimize Blake Bortles, whose career was what? The minute that he was done with Jacksonville and Hackett, Blake Bortles was like barely a passable quarterback there. After that, not a passable quarterback at all. And they made, I think it was an AFC championship game with him. Now they had a good defense. My dad mentioned they had Fournette and Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson. It's a decent offense. It was a decent offensive line. It was a great defense. But they were able to make it there because of just working around Bortles' limitations. And that's what we need to see from Nathaniel Heck and the offense this year. Something that Mike LaFleur didn't really do, and I think a lot of people when we left Mike LaFleur, we kind of were like, that was one of the things that we didn't like was the way he didn't adapt. He felt like he didn't use our players. He was trying to do his thing and not really be like a leader and a coach and be involved. He just wanted to implement like his analytical best offense and hope that it worked where here Nathaniel Hackett feels like more of the team and it's more of a inclusive environment where people are more empowered and Aaron Rodgers is helping guide people and they're trying to build something together and we've got pieces from the the puzzle with Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard from the past it just feels like a little bit more we're going to try to make it work for you and he's done it once he's got his track record so why couldn't he with a Zach Wilson preparing to be the starting quarterback moving forward why couldn't he get some of that out of him on a roster that could be better? So seeing that, like, I hadn't even considered that at all. Um, it's like, yeah, I I believe it. And then him just, like, obviously hyping up the defense, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. I love that stuff. He's right that as bad as everything is right now, we did win the game in an epic fashion. So got to enjoy that at least a little bit. So I appreciate the father time. I thought it was great. I'm glad that he is positive about this whole thing. I know he witnessed the 1999 Vinny Testaverde Achilles rupture. I actually did too. I was like eight years old and a big fan at that time, so I was watching the game with him, but I didn't understand the magnitude of like what just happened. Now I certainly do, and it sucks. And he's done it twice, but you know what? We got a good team. And I think that 1999 Jets team went 8-8, eight and eight, so it wasn't a horrible shit show season. They at least had a good roster, as we'd imagined. Imagine if we'd had Vinny, who knows what would have happened. Imagine if we had Aaron, who knows what would have happened. But maybe we'll get him back next year. I'm looking forward to seeing what this team can do this year. They got a big uphill battle, but they're going to fight and claw and scratch, just like they did against the Bills, and hopefully they'll get some more wins. Thank you, Dad. Dad is this week's father time. Now, before we go over to the defense and special teams, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. 
Starting with the defensive side of the ball, I want to talk about Josh Allen's performance in this one because it's always fun to talk about how Josh Allen plays against the Robert Sala Jets. Josh Allen seems to struggle every single time he plays us, and it happened once again as he throws 236 yards, which is better than he did last year against us. He did have a touchdown thrown, but he was sacked five times, threw three interceptions, and had a a fumble against him. He have had four turnovers in this game, got sacked five times, and was clearly uncomfortable the entire game. He was taking some ridiculous shots. He tried to jump over like C.J. Mosley when he needed 10 more yards, and there were other defenders coming in to make play. He did some ridiculous things. He clearly doesn't uh, completely process the game appropriately. He's not 100% with it between the ears, and that's what's holding him back. He has tons of physical ability, but he trusts in it too much. He needs to understand that it doesn't work because our guys have just as much physical ability. Our Jordan Whitehead is just as good at catching the ball as his receiver is. So if you throw it up there for both of them, we may come down with it. And you may be good at jumping, but C.J. Mosley's pretty good at hitting and tackling. So (laughs) don't get too ahead of yourself here. Unfortunately for him, he tries to do that every time against us. We kind of have his number. We make him look frantic and scared, and it's because of that defensive line. This Jets team can rush four guys, five guys, and get huge, immense pressure pretty quickly collapsing from both the front and the sides because you got Quinn and William pushing Quinn and Williams pushing up the front, which not a lot of teams have a defensive tackle that can do that. Then you've got pretty powerful ends in like a Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson when Carl Lawson plays. He was inactive for this game, but he's a powerful guy. John Franklin Myers, very strong, powerful. You add in big Al Woods, Quentin Jefferson. There's strength on this defensive line. And it can push from all angles. But on top of that, a lot of these guys have pass rushing moves, too, where they can do swims, rips, and they can get through engaged defenders and get after the quarterback or not be touched at all. So it comes from all different angles. It hits you. It hits you hard. And the Jets were getting big-time pressure on Zach, on uh, Josh Allen. They had nine quarterback hits, five sacks in this game. We had one for John Franklin Myers, one for Jermaine Johnson. We had two for Quentin Jefferson, one for Big Al Woods. We had some nice tackles for a loss on James Cook. We had some nice tackles for a loss on Josh Allen. Michael Clemens hit Josh Allen pretty square, forced the ball out. Quinn Williams jumps on top of it, gets it there. And this is all just basically sending four guys. A few points in this game, they sent a defensive back. They sent a linebacker in for a blitz. But the Jets are primarily able to keep six to seven guys back, including C.J. Mosley, including those cornerbacks, zone defense, Get your safeties back deep, helping. It makes it really, really nice when you can get pressure with four and to see the defense come together like that and do it. It was awesome. Josh Allen hated it. The linebackers, it was mostly C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. Both played great. C.J. is what C.J. is. He made some nice pass deflections. He was obviously calling out the defensive plays, made some big tackles, get the guys down really quick, like just tackling cattle. And then you had Quincy Williams. My dad said in his father time, Probably the best game of his career. Quincy had 10 tackles, a tackle for loss, a nice pass deflection on a wheel route to the running back where he was, I think it was James Cook, who's looking for a flag, and it's like, Quincy Williams played perfect defense and didn't touch you, blocked the ball away with his head. This is not a pass interference. That was just great by Quincy. He was flying all over the field. Big-time tackles on, like, third and four, running back in open field, looking at Quincy Williams. Quincy gets him down for a two-yard gain. Boom, they have to punt, kick a field goal. It was just... Game-changing stuff from Quincy. Awesome performance. Love from CJ. We did have a couple snaps for Jamie and Sherwood. Did make a tackle or two. 
Um, Zaire Barnes was inactive for this game. Chad Surratt didn't really get defensive snaps. They don't run a lot of that at the linebacker position. They did do some big nickel. Adrian Amos came in, made some plays, had two tackles, blitzed a couple times, so he was in the mix. But then when you look at that secondary, it was the three guys we expected. It was all snaps for DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, and Michael Carter, too. There was no Justin Hardy. There was no Bryce Hall. It was just those cornerbacks. Brandon Eccles will come back off of suspension next week. He probably won't touch the field either unless somebody goes down. It's going to be those three. When you have to add another defensive back in, I expect it to be Adrian Amos. I liked what I saw from the cornerbacks overall. Obviously, Stefan Diggs put up over 100 yards and had a decent game. But when you think about it, like, yes, he's going up against Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed going back and forth, and he's picking up 10, 15 yards here and there. But they were all 10 to 15-yard pickups, sometimes 5-yard pickups. They weren't anything that moved the ball down the field with great speed. And that's what we don't want. We don't want those big plays. We want to make a team do 10, 15 plays to get down the field and try to score a touchdown because the goal of the solid defense and the Ulbricht defense is bend, don't break. If they can do 10, 15 plays going down the field and have a mistake, a holding penalty, an interception, a fumble, a big sack, something that ends a drive, that's better than a big play, touchdown, you know, and all of a sudden they just get points. You're just hoping that if they do enough plays, the law of averages eventually the defense will have a big one. Make them do 20 plays to score. Don't let them score in two. So you're going to give up some of those soft passes. That's what the zone does. Sauce Gardner could have been a little bit tighter, could have wrapped up on some tackles, but I'm not down on his performance in this game against Stefan Diggs, one of the best route runners in the NFL. I think other than that, when you look at, like, Gabe Davis getting two catches, Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, they got seven catches but for 50 yards. James Cook got four catches but for 17 yards. We kind of bottled him up. 236 passing yards for the Buffalo Bills offense. Nothing crazy. And then when you look at DJ Reed's performance, blanketing, you know, not every time Stefan Diggs, but blanketing Gabe Davis when it was thrown to him, or Deontay Hardy. The Bills' offense was was struggling. And all of that stuff was capitalized by the defensive player of the game, our safety, Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead didn't have one interception, not two. He had three. The hat trick of INTs from a guy who only had two total interceptions all of last year. We gave him a pretty good contract. He's still in his mid-20s, a young guy coming from that Super Bowl Buccaneers defense. We gave him a three-year contract last year, and I was excited to get him onto the roster because I'm like, he's an ascending young guy, part of a good defense, knows what it's like to win. And he had a decent season last year, but he didn't make those big splash plays that you would hope for from your safety, right? That was the only thing that was missing, basically with the whole defense. The defense played great last year, but not enough turnovers. Then you see Jordan Whitehead come out here and make all three were incredible catches. They weren't easy by any means. It was great coverage, covering the cornerback or covering the wide receiver on two deep throws and catching like over the shoulder catches 40 yards downfield, and then one jumping the route on the sideline, sliding down in bounds. They were all incredibly impressive. He is, of course, our defensive player of the game. He himself forced three Josh Allen interceptions, gave Josh Allen that nightmare game, and he's the reason the Jets won this game 22 to 16. So awesome to see from Jordan Whitehead to get his season going. The other safety that played, free safety, Tony Adams. He's a guy that a lot of people are excited about as like an X factor for this Jets team. And you look at his performance in this game, he didn't play very well. I know he wasn't targeted a ton, but when you look at his angles, it was like 
the Ashton Davis angle system of just not quite running the guy down appropriately and letting guys get around you, pick up extra yardage, not tackling right. I've been worried to see, like, I know we're hearing so much good stuff about him, but I have to see it on the field. Like, I remember last year he played all right. I can see some clips that people are posting about, like, yeah, he was in good coverage here and there, but he didn't make big plays. He wasn't really that involved in the action. Same in this game, and the chances that he had, he didn't wow me. So I know it's just week one, a lot to get going here. We didn't get to see a ton of opportunities from him, so as the season goes on, we'll decide a little bit more. But to start, he's a little bit more of what I thought he'd be than what I was told he'd be. So that is our defense. Next order of business we've got to talk about real quick is the special teams. Oh, my goodness, special teams. Our player of the game is going to be Xavier Gibson for that huge punt return touchdown to win the game in overtime. There was an incredible block by Chad Surratt. we got to give him credit, too. Nice block by Bryce Hall down the field as well. But Xavier Gibson, even without the Chad Surratt block, like was already at the 30-yard line and in Greg Zerline field goal range. He made a nice change of direction, got upfield, and holy smokes, that was just such an incredible moment for a, a rookie punt returner that, frankly, I was nervous to have back there who barely made the roster, and the guys that made it with him, those Irvin Charleses and Jason Brownleys, they were inactive for this game. But Xavier Gibson was the guy that was trusted not only to be suited up, but also to be a big part of this game, returning punts. He caught them all cleanly, and he had that big game-winning touchdown. An awesome moment for him. He'll never forget it. He's keeping that ball. He's our special teams player of the game, and we are already like, that was what we needed from Braxton Berrios last year. I kept saying, like, man, when is that Braxton Berrios punt return touchdown going to happen that just, like, we got one. We, we snuck away with points when this offense can't do anything. Thank God Braxton Berrios got us points. He didn't do it last year. We move on from him. Actually had a pretty nice game for Miami this week. But Xavier Gibson, big playability, a home run, overtime victory in the most crucial spot where the Jets needed a win more than anything. So I love to see that. Also on special teams, we almost had a blocked punt by Bryce Huff. Hardy was the first gunner down on the field a few times, so nice to see from him. Morstead's okay, but early in the game, his kicks were short. I just want him to have a little bit better of a leg. I know he's old, but if he's too old to kick 50 yards consistently, that could be a problem, but at least no shanks. Pretty good touch. Nothing blocked. Held the kicks well as well because Greg, the leg, made all of his kicks in this game. Two of them were pretty ugly. I didn't like the way that they went in but they went in, so good game there. The Jets needed every point they could get, and they pull out a 22-16 to win. What an incredible ride in terms of the players on the field. Aaron Rodgers was a massive disappointment, but the team pulls out a win against the division rivals. The Bills are now 0-1, and the Jets are looking to build on it against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to do one more podcast episode this week. It's going to come out, I believe, tomorrow night. It's going to preview the Dallas Cowboys game upcoming. Probably a pretty quick episode overall, maybe 20 minutes or so. Um, but that's what we're going to do this week. And you can go back and listen to the Aaron Rodgers podcast where we talk about the injury and the options at quarterback moving forward. Other than that, rate, review, subscribe, follow me on Twitter, listen to a Fans First podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Let's go through this ride together. It's gonna be it's gonna be trying at times. It's gonna be difficult. But we're in this thing together. It's nothing that we're not used to, being underdogs, playing with a chip on our shoulders, trying to scratch and scrap our way into relevancy. Well, we'll see what happens. 
I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. <laughs>